0: I love that song, that prayer, Lord reign in me. That's our prayer and that's why we've come together today. We've come together today for a purpose and that is for God to use the songs that we sing, the study, the prayer, the scripture to encourage us, to give us what we need so that we can let God reign in our hearts in a way that'll be seen and felt in our our neighborhood, in our home, in our community, and everywhere that we go I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here today. As I look out I see some of you that have come from a long ways, people that I haven't seen in a long time and I just want to say howdy and welcome and uh, we're so glad that you're here. You might be sitting on a row with people who are visiting and so when it's over today, make sure that you get a chan- take a chance to get to know them. Let them know how glad we are that, that they have chosen to be with us. And I want to say to those of you who are watching us online, welcome. We're glad that you have tuned in and are joining us today as well. This today is the second lesson in our three-week series that we're calling Looking Back and Moving Forward. And last week, we went back to the story in Acts chapter 2, and we saw how Pentecost and, and what took place at Pentecost was really part of a much larger story. It was a story that took them back to Mount Sinai, a time when they were celebrating God entering into a covenant relationship with his people, and God moved in and dwelt with his people in the tabernacle. We learned that God uses stories because they're valuable tools. They're valuable tools that help shape our identity and they help to form our character. And we're inspired to see how God used people like A.D. Martin, like Bessie Woodward, like R.B. Sweet, men and women that are just like you and me, and God used them to plant a church on a state college campus. For the first 14, 15 years that our church met, we actually met on the campus of a and a What a great story that is. And today we want to continue that story, but today we're going to focus on the value of God-formed community and really look and see how that impacts the world. And we're going to go back to Acts chapter 2, so I hope you've got your Bibles. You can... You can open them, you can power it up whichever way you choose. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to have one there's probably one in the pew in front of you and if it's one of your pew Bibles it's on page 772 and our text today is going to be coming from Acts chapter 2 and to set this up this is right after, right after the the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and then After that, Peter, uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, got up and, and he preached a sermon. And this sermon took people back and saw how the Old Testament really was all about the coming of Jesus Christ. And then he says, God has made this Jesus that you crucified both Lord and Christ and it says that the the people were pricked in their heart they 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 wanted to know how they should respond to that and and peter said that you need to repent you need to change and he said you can be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ now now baptism in that day was was common it was part of the cultural fabric of the day there were many reasons why people would be immersed into water and and One of those was that if you you wanted to express your allegiance, your commitment to a particular rabbi or teacher, you could be baptized into that teacher's name. What was really different on Pentecost is that they were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ because no one would ever get baptized into the name of a dead rabbi a rabbi that's no longer there that they could follow. The fact that they were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ was a declaration to everyone that their allegiance was to Jesus Christ, Jesus who had raised from the dead and was still living. You can still be baptized into the name of Jesus because he's not dead. He is alive, and that changed Everything, And it changed the way that they thought. It changed the way that they related with each other. And Luke, as he writes about that early church in the book of Acts, he gives us some examples. And this is where we pick up in our text today. Speaking of that early church, that first century church in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as we read Luke's account of the early church we see that as the Holy Spirit fell on these followers of Jesus not only were they freed from the... From the burden of their sins but they were also empowered to live in a counter cultural way they were empowered to live in a way that that caused the rest of society to notice and to be curious what what how could they explain the change that came over them now as we look back on this new church in Jerusalem we do so with the understanding that while not all churches will ever be exactly alike, there are some core values. There are core value characteristics that should be part of every church. Every church, regardless of, of when they exist on the timeline of history or where they were located in the geography and the culture of this world. You see, Jesus, when he was teaching, he called this new way of thinking, this new way of living, this new way of interacting, Jesus called it the kingdom of God. And as we read in Acts, the early believers called it the way. We call it the church. The Greek word ekklesia. The gathering of those who have been called and summoned to come together. That's what the church means. And so in Luke's account of this new community, he describes a newfound devotion. They devoted themselves. Think about this word devoted, and you may want to talk about it today when you're at lunch together, gathered around a table. How do you know if someone's devoted? Devoted. How does my wife know that I am devoted to her? It's in the little things that I do, the way that I speak to her, the kindness that I show. But it's also in the big things that I do, my loyalty to her and to her alone. Devotion. How do you you know if you're devoted to your studies? How do your parents know that you're devoted to your studies? They can see it. They can see the priority. They can see the investment that you're putting into it. You see, devotion is something that other people notice. And Luke says that this early gathering of followers of Jesus, they were devoted. They were devoted to these core values that they held so dear. First of all, we see that they were devoting they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. They were devoted to the holy scriptures because that's probably what the, the apostles taught. The apostles probably went back to the Old Testament text and, and the Hebrew scriptures showing how Jesus is part of the whole story. The apostles probably told Of how Jesus taught others. And and the apostles told about how Jesus treated others. How Jesus taught and how he lived. They were devoted to the fellowship. To getting together. To the breaking of bread. And and as I looked at this, I kind of started thinking. they, They were devoted to getting together. Not because they really, really liked everybody. You see, at the very beginning of the church, the early church was a collection of vastly different cultures and languages. You can read about that in the verses earlier in in chapter 2. But they came together for meals. They came together for the breaking of the bread. It could be regular meals, but I also think that it was like what we do every week. The breaking of bread that we call the Lord's Supper. That brings us together. You see, in that culture, having a meal with somebody was more than just sharing the same table and sharing the same space. It was a statement. It was a statement of unity. A statement of acceptance. A statement of the fact that there is no barrier between the two of you. They were together and had everything in common. They shared their resources. It speaks of amazing generosity. If there was a need, the people responded. And I love this. They were devoted to prayer. Prayer, a recognition of our weakness. A reminder that we are powerless. A realization that we're not in control. An understanding that we're part of a much larger story because it's a realignment of our will with God's sovereign will so as I look back at our church family through the years through the decades I can see so many examples of these core values that we also see in Acts chapter 2 and and these core values are what's helped make us a place that's special and a place where God has used us to make an extensive impact, not just here, but around the world. First of all, we've always been a church with a high view of Scripture. We've been a church from the very beginning that's committed to teaching God's Word. And not only that, but training the next generation to know God and to love God's Word. Oh, there are so many examples that I could draw from. But I think of back in the days of the what we call the Bible chair era. When students from A&M were able to come to our building and they were able to take classes in, in New Testament, classes in Old Testament, and these were able to be transferred to to their college credit toward their degree. In 1954, I think back to the purchase of a hardware store across the street from the Church Street building. A place where there was dedicated space because in the building, there wasn't enough classroom space for this to take place. And so they they bought this, this building across the street And I think about what an impact that that building made on the lives of so many for teaching and for fellowship. Oh, I also think of the difficult decision to leave the Northgate Church location. You see, back in the 1960s, the enrollment at Texas A&M began to just grow Exponentially. And also the city of College Station actually became a city. Before that it was just a train stop on the train track. And more and more students began living off campus and so the the necessity of having a location within walking distance wasn't that that necessary. Not only that, students actually started driving their cars to college. I think of my my dad's generation. Some of my favorite stories are stories of when he told about hitchhiking because he had to hitchhike from Port Arthur to College Station every time and if he wanted to go home he had to hitchhike back all the way to Port Arthur. Man, great stories. But in the 60s that changed. People started bringing their cars to church and I don't know if you've talked to many people who actually went to the Northgate building but not only was the auditorium too small for the the those who were attending in that time you'll probably hear if you listen to him talk for very long the parking was terrible (laughs) oh my goodness and and course, you can imagine why. It's called Church Street. Think about it. All of these churches all lined up on the same narrow road, and they all met on Sunday morning. It's like every car in the whole Brazos County came and tried to park right there. And so parking was, was a challenge. So after much prayer and great financial sacrifice in 1972 land was purchased on a gravel road on the southern outskirts of College Station they called it 2818 because it was a loop that went around the circle it, it, you were able to, we had called it the bypass and there there they bought land. Now, what made this decision so brilliant, what made this decision so God-led, I feel, was that this new location was right next to where the city was going to build the new campus of A&M Consolidated High School. Think about this. Not only was there a clear commitment to college students with this church, but there was also a very clear focus on having an impactful youth ministry as well. And I think that we all should take note of this. It's the DNA of our church to raise up and equip new generation after new generation of believers and followers of Jesus. So I'm kind of curious how many of you actually went to the new church or the church building on Church Street? The one at Northgate, raise your hand. All right take note if you see someone with their hand up after church go ask them what do they remember about going to that building, okay? That would be a great conversation. How many of you actually went to the church building on 2818? Oh, yeah, that's going to be easy, okay? There's a lot of you that visited that building right there. Well, this building was built in 1974, and there was this commitment to, to teaching and training the next generation, and the church continued to grow. Oh, so as I, as I think back to all this, I also think back to the impact that this devotion to teaching God's Word had. Um, when the university changed its policy regarding transfer credit that we got through the Bible chair, they no longer allowed that, the church leaders had to make a decision and they chose to start something called the School of World Evangelism. I think originally it was supposed to be pronounced so because it was S-O-W-E but how did we, it seemed like it was always pronounced what? Sawi, yeah I have no idea how that started or anything like that, but the School of World Evangelism and this was started in 1977 and here multiple gifted teachers including missionaries that were back from ministry abroad, they, they offered impactful classes for anyone that was interested in and many of those who studied in the School of World Evangelism They went on to serve in missions in in, uh, other countries as well as in full-time ministry, other places as well. Core values. I think back to the impact that loving fellowship, sharing meals together has made. It may sound simple, it may seem simple to you, but I've heard story after story after story of people who, who were scared to death when they came to this church. They were visiting this church and they sat down and someone came up to them and said, Hey, would you like to go to lunch with us? I'd like to get to know you. It changed lives. Many times it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily even families here. I, I've heard story after story after story when a, when a freshman would walk in and an upperclassman would go to him and say, hey, we're all going to eat at Rudy's. You want to come with us? It changes lives. You see, hospitality is a tool that God uses to bring us together. And I, I think back at, a, uh, at the ministry of our church and I, I love that we've always done this. You know, we've, we've joked that in college ministry circles that if you feed them, they will come. <laughs> Jesus did it. We do it too. Oh, hospitality, the sharing of meals together. Some of you may remember those Wednesday night meals where one of Ken Martin's restaurants catered it and I may have a distorted memory, but I feel like the rolls that they had were like this big, okay? You didn't need to eat anything else besides the roll. But it was just a place where everybody came together. Meals unite people. It's a statement of unity. Oh, we've been known for our hospitality. But I also think of of the impact of prayer I love that this is a praying church. I love that there are prayer warriors that are part of our church family. And I think so many times Sarah and I, we hear about something that's happening. We'll look at each other. We'll have this little the knowing look on our face and we'll say, Hmm, somebody's been praying because God's been working. I love that. I I could go on and on about how we've seen these core values expressed, but I would rather to have some of you share why you love this church, what you've noticed about this church family. And I want to say right off the bat, there is no perfect church family. It's messy when we do church. And, And there is no church that's perfect, not even the church that We read about in Acts chapter 2. If you keep on reading, it didn't take long before things started getting pretty messy. But it's wonderful to go back and remember and look at what makes church special. And so here's some reasons why many in our church that you see up in this video, why they love this church. So let's listen together.
1: I'm Virginia. I'm Gwyneth. I'm Henry. I love coming to this church because we learn about God. I love coming to this church because it's a great sense of community and there's a lot of friends here.
0: Yeah, I like coming to this church because the fellowship that we have.
1: Our, Our family has been here for a while, since the late 60s, since the late 60s. I love that all the different people who are here because you've got the young and the old and people who are in school and people who aren't. Got small families and big families and it's just great. We've all been coming here our entire lives. I like playing hide and seek around here. My name is Diane Martin. My family and I moved to Bryan College Station in 1969 for my husband to begin a business here. We had three little bitty children. We were intended to visit all the different churches of Christ in the area to decide where we were gonna go to church. But right off the bat, uh, Ruth Ann Stallings came to me or called me and she says, I'm going to pick you and your little boys uh, for ladies Bible class. Well, that included the youngest at that time was less than two weeks old. And yet she picked up our crew and we came to ladies class and we were, the people were so wonderful and so kind and so uh, engaging that we never really visited the other congregations. This is the one for us.
0: Uh, I, I love it, the m Church, because of the people, and that may be a simple answer, but it really is pretty complex. Because uh, you know, we can worship God in a lot of places and a lot of different settings with a lot of different people, but it's the community of believers here that are uh, walking and making this journey together that I think make it special. I I just can't explain all the many wonderful blessings we've had being a part of this church family. It's the world within a world, but it's a part of the heavenly realm as far as I'm concerned. You don't need a stranger here. You're bound to find somebody that you've known already uh, or that you know that has been here.
1: So it's easy to make friends here at this congregation. This congregation was filled with men and women who were in love with the Lord. When you walked in, it was a place of welcome. It was a place of, you belong here. And they were welcoming us constantly. It's just the welcoming, the, um, the warmth, and I think we just um, need to encourage people that it, because everyone needs encouragement. And um, it's so easy to get involved if you'll just t- tap into it. And, um, and then you, when you leave or if you stay, either way, that you, you, know, you carry that love of Jesus wherever you go. I love the, the love that you see in the people of the A&M Church, that we love people, whether they are uh, lovable or not, we love them. If somebody is sick, people rush to their aid, whether it's bringing in food, taking them to the doctor or whatever, all you have to do is put out a need and then it is met. And by more than you could even imagine people meeting the needs. The A&M Church of Christ has been, my whole life, it's been so important to me. Um, they have supported our family um, they prayed so much about Rebecca. And I feel like Rebecca is alive today because of the, the prayers and the wonderful people. It makes me cry to think of how much I love these people that have prayed.
0: And I think that's something that makes this place special, is that uh, that we're following Jesus in a way that Jesus uh, would be would be performing as well. And that is uh, weeping with those who weep and celebrating with those who celebrate and I, I think that's a beautiful thing about this church and we expect it'll continue that way uh, as we go forward. It's kind of like telling somebody you're an Aggie you know wherever you are and that, that means something you know and in this community if you I go to the a Church of Christ and well we you know we know of you you know and we know someone there that has had an influence on them. So it gives you a feeling of pride that way, you know, that you're part of something that's not only well received internally, but outside in the community.
1: And that our diversity and our love will just say to the whole world, this is something only God can do. We can't do it as people, but God through us can build a loving community of very different people. Um, it, it's a beautiful picture of what um, God intended for um, church to be. And uh, obviously, we're all human, and so there are probably times that you get very frustrated and, and feel like, oh, I'm not being a very good sheep, or there are other sheep who are getting out of line here. But, um, so not all great experiences, but part of the conflict and part of the working through and the part of the not all believing exactly the same is part of being the family and working working through that, so.
0: Um, I want to thank the whole church uh, for all of the kindness and the love that y'all have extended to me and Shirley. And uh, from the first day we were here, Y'all have made us feel at home and very comfortable, and you've done everything possible to help us. And I want you to know that this is the first church, now Shirley and I went to a lot of churches, but this is the first church we ever went to that was doing exactly what I thought a church should be doing. And this church is wholeheartedly uh, carrying out the Christian mission. I want to thank you. I think about the, the scriptures in the Old Testament where the parents were told when you when you teach your children these things, when you walk along the road, and when you, and every day be teaching these, these things
1: to them about God and the love of God. And I think that's something going into the future that the AM Church can continue to do. And we will continue to see strong believers. Uh, people who want to be hospitable and to serve those all around us to help others have the confidence of of hope, life eternal. So yes, we love this congregation. I want us as a church, the church is just the people, and I want us to change and to grow and to become more what Jesus intends for us to be. That is my prayer for the a Church of Christ, that we would continually be growing into the goodness and the fullness of the Lord. Um, this church is beautiful to me. It's been my home. I love it.
0: So as we look back, As we look back while we're still moving forward, we realize that we are the church. We realize that it's the cross of Christ that draws us together. And the power that draws us together in the cross of Christ is stronger than anything that might divide us. And we're called not to be spectators. We're called to be the church. And when we hear stories of how our church was welcoming, how our church was loving, focused on prayers, how it was dedicated to the study of God's Word over the past 100 years, it's because someone like you, someone like me, lived out those core values that we see in the Scriptures. They lived it out in a way that's made a lasting and powerful impact. The blessing that we enjoy today. And so that's our calling as we move forward. It's possible only because of the hope of Jesus Christ. We found hope in Christ Jesus and that's changed everything. You see, the grace of Jesus, it covers any sins that we might carry with us. And his love will lighten any burden that we might be carrying. So he's calling, he's calling you today. His spirit is speaking into your heart today and he's calling you to really live as Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And some of you, might not know Jesus. Some of you might not be walking with Jesus. And I pray that you will listen to the Holy Spirit's tug on your heart. This past week we had two baptisms. I love that. We rejoice in that. I would love if we continue to have more and more every week. But I'd like to ask, what is the Spirit saying to you right now? How are you going to respond to what Jesus, through His Spirit, is speaking in your soul today? And I pray, that, I pray that you'll respond. I pray that you will respond either by coming here to the front or perhaps you'd like to visit in the Welcome Center. Whatever it is, we're going to sing a song right now and we can encourage each other to respond to the call of Jesus. So let's do so as we stand and sing together.